welcome to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. I'm your host, Matt Halloran. Being your own loud is not new to marketing, but the mindset, strategies, and resources to help you get there are evolving faster than this industry is keeping up. It is time to find a new perspective on what works why and how to move your business forward. Listen as I interview guests to help you learn from them how to be your own loud. Let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Matt Haller. And you know, there are fixtures in the world of marketing and we try our best to get those fixtures on the show. And for some reason, it's like been a swing and a miss with our guest. I've talked to him. I've known him. Our paths have crossed and we finally were able to get Tim Welsh on the show. Now, he is the founder, CEO, extraordinaire of Nexus Strategy, but he is a marketing and branding and public relations and everything financial services expert. I'm not trying to oversell you, brother, but uh, welcome to the show, man. Thanks so much, Matt. Really appreciate that kind introduction. And I hope... To not disappoint our listeners. I know you're not, because we're going to talk about trends. So one of the cool things about being around as long as you and I have is we've been able to see different trends. We've seen things flash in the pan and long-term trends that have worked very, very well in the world of marketing, branding, influence, overall client communication. So I just want to start off by having you give just a brief history of your journey in financial services, and then we're going to dive right into the top trends that you're seeing today. Great. Yeah, I love sharing this story. It's a very personal one. I think it resonates with many of us in the industry through the years. Uh, like everyone else, I started my career at Merrill Lynch in the 90s, uh, working in the financial planning group, you know, sort of a guerrilla marketing outfit. And uh, we were really trying to change the culture, you know, trying to move the needle of these advisors. They were brokers at the time to focus on relationships, you know, stop dialing for dollars, thinking about transactions and look more at the long term relationships that advisors have with clients. And as part of that due diligence research process, we came across this industry called the Independent Registered Investment Advisor space. It was very new at the time, but we saw, aha, that's how you do it. You know, you have long-term relationships, you do a financial plan, you have managed accounts, managed money, you have a long-term focus, and you get paid by the client, not the product. So it's a very different dynamic. Um, and so really try to replicate that through the Merrill system. And we just did it through education, through of showcasing our top advisors and how they did it. And as part of the process, you know, learned about this other company out there called the Schwab. You know, what was this all about? Well, they were the biggest custodian at the time. They still are. In fact, they are much more trillions bigger than they were when I was there. And that was a great chance to really pioneer a lot of different things, roll it out to this vast uh, audience of independent business owners, whether that was a bank or a managed account or a piece of software you know, really got good at helping figure out what was the message that would resonate with an independent advisor. How does it help their business, whether that's in their process of working with clients or in their own, you know, profitability and growth and M&A and HR. And so that was really great learning experience in those two companies. Uh, but like everyone else, I was never going to be the SVP of anything at Schwab or Merrill. So I had to find something else to do. And consulting was just a natural um uh, location to land in because what we were doing inside of those companies was consulting, helping advisors run a better business, think through it. So I left in 06. So we're basically on the 17th anniversary of Nexus strategy. And uh, the focus has always been around helping companies and the ecosystem support advisors uh, succeed, whether that's with their strategy or with their approach or 
their marketing, their sales, uh, some of it bled into the public relations. So we've done a lot of work around PR and content development. So it's really a mixed bag of just fantastic stuff. And um, I think our industry is uh, ripe for disruption as always and transformation today, still continuing, which is really exciting and makes um, every day you get up and uh, go at it uh, a super experience. So appreciate that question about the background and um, hopefully I can provide some context and trend spotting because that's kind of what we do. I love that you called it Nexus, right? So it's how everything comes together and works together. All of those things that you just identified, marketing, branding, communication, sales, systems, client service, all of those things, they have to have a Nexus point in order for all of them to work. As you and I have done this for quite a while, those things were in silos for so many people for so long. But the firms that really grew, especially the truly independent firms that really grew, understood that they needed to have that that center point, that hub, that nexus, as you call it. So, and I was, I'm sure that was a, you didn't just happen across that. <laughs> I have a feeling that there's massive intention when it came to the name. Well, you you got a spot on there. Um, that's exactly right. You know, the um, the nexus is really a series of connections, and you know, if you think about the financial advisor, they are the nexus point between the ecosystem that supports them and the end clients they service. And uh, that word nexus is the most connected in English language. So uh, as a marketing strategist, you can imagine we did some focused research on what the name should be. And it's been, a, you know, a, a, I think a very descriptive way to do it. And so appreciate that um, insight. As always, you got right to the heart of the matter and it only took you about 30 seconds. <laughs> My business partner is a huge marketing and branding guy, and I've been learning from him for years and years. All right. What do you see, like if you were able to jump into a time machine and jump forward maybe five, 10 years in financial services, what do you think you would see? Well, I think it's going to be the continuing trend of, you know, decentralization, you know, moving away from that mothership, that corporate entity that controls, um, if we break it down into sort of the old uh, econ 101, the supply chain, you know, manufacturing and distribution, you know, a lot of these um, Wall Street firms or even the big broker dealers, they all sort of started in the manufacturing world and they needed distribution. And that came in the form of financial advisors. So I think that's going to continue to be um, unbundled, whereas the advisor themselves will become the center point of the universe, which I think they're almost already there now. And really live and breathe and deliver that role as being you know, important in the financial lives of their clients. And so the industry will evolve around that model. So I think we're starting to see it. There's still, of the 300,000 financial advisors out there in the U.S., there's roughly 200,000 plus that are still employees. Um, so I think as we fast forward, we'll see more and more of them go out on their own or join other ventures that embrace that independent spirit. And if you look around the globe, that happened in the U.K., it happened in Australia, it happened in Canada, where majority of firms are independent, they may be behind us a few years in terms of, you know, sophistication and products and services and tech, but from a delivery of advice, uh, it's just its most purest form is when it's not, you know, conflicted with some corporate entity. So I think that is uh, what we see. Again, it's happening today. It's been going on for 25 years. I think it'll just be bigger, broader, faster in the next five years. I remember being at a market council summit meeting a few years ago, and the opening was 9,000 people were leaving wirehouses. Uh, that was a number of years ago. And I mean, if, if that trend, that number, which we are seeing continues, holy cremoli, things are going to fundamentally change. What, what? Let's talk about tech a little bit. So you're in your time machine again. 
Uh, what what do you think the tech looks like in five to ten years? Well, again, skin the uh, concept is when I walk in my office every morning, what do I log into? You know, what is that one system, the CRM or the custodial workstation, or is it my portfolio accounting? What do I log into that morning to start my business, start my day? And I think what we're going to start to see is really more of this um, uh, integrated ecosystem. We call it a digital ecosystem right now. You know, similar to your phone. You know, you just go out there, find an app you like, you bring it down, drop it into the operating system, and guess what? It just works, right? It's all there. The vendors start coding towards these operating systems. Um, I think that's what we're going to see. Less so, you know, I have a financial planning tool over here. I've got a CRM over here. I do trading over here. I've got 17 custodians, so I need to reconcile this middleware. It's going to be less and less of that. It's really going to be more of an ecosystem that exists uh, very similar to other industries that have these digital ecosystems. And that's where the advisor can then tailor the experience they want for their clients, for their, their business, for their role in the firm, whether you're back office or operations or advisor or compliance person. Everyone wants their own view into how they operate their business on a daily basis. That, I think, is the future. We're starting to see it already. Again, there are a few firms that are doing this really well and pioneering this ecosystem approach. Uh, that's, to me, will be where the friction gets taken out Flexibility happens. Um, of course, we need a lot of work on data, data standards. Uh, so as that evolves and you're seeing advisors now go out and start their own data warehouse to sort of create this themselves. I don't know if that's the best way to go about doing it. Then we'll have 17,000 different data warehouses and that doesn't help anybody. But I think you know that's really where the trend is going, what we'll see and the vendor community will be nimble and they'll code to it. So that's what the exciting aspect is. I can't wait for that, man. I can't wait for, you know, when I meet with advisors who are friends of mine, when I'm at conferences and stuff, that is still their number one frustration. It's not compliance, which is what everybody thinks it is. It's actually the lack of everything truly talking to each other with that integration. I love the phone analogy, Tim. That was brilliant. And I want everybody to think about that who's in fintech. Think about what you would need to do to make it so that you could literally go to the financial services app store and download something that was going to totally integrate with whatever you log on. I absolutely love that. You know, one of the things that I think has stopped that, tell me if you think this is right or wrong, is the a uh, scarcity mindset that these companies have had that this is my stuff and I'm going to keep it and nobody else can touch it. And now that we have Zapier's and we have API and we have RS, we have all of these different things. Do you think that that's actually going to hopefully accelerate that? Or do you think people are still super selfish? Uh, I mean, the one fundamental truth we know is that open is good, closed is bad. And if you bundle stuff up and you try to really keep it tight and in a closed system, you know, advisors will unbundle your bundle every day of the week. And so we've seen that multiple times uh, through the years is that uh, those big all-in-one systems really are getting taken apart. So I, uh, I do think it is like a zero-sum game for some firms who think, well, you know, if they can move the data, they can move the app, then I'll lose the client, I'll lose the broker-dealer, I'll lose uh, the advisor, I'll lose that. I need to hard code that in and stop that from, and that creates friction and nobody likes friction. And so I think to your point, this open architecture really will drive it. And it's, we're seeing that happen because anybody's a closed system, you know, that's kind of why advisors leave the mothership to begin with because it's closed. I get one choice and that's it. I want to be able to shop the street, provide the highest quality at the lowest cost. And that will be the, the status quo. I got to think in the next five, 10 years for sure. 
Well, full disclosure for our audience, I've known you as a marketing guy, right? And yes, I mean, as I've gotten to know you better, I know that there's lots of different, you know, tentacles that you have out into the financial services world. But I want to talk to you about marketing. This is the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. One of the things that we talk a lot about here is that influence is the only marketing left. And uh, Carl Richards recently posted on Twitter that he asked a question, are advisors going to have to become content creators and are they really going to be content people, not as much advisors? Tell me what you think about any of that. Um, well, I would agree. I mean, you know, it's all about the content that you're developing, building. You're not going to out Schwab Schwab. Advisors don't have billion dollar budgets. You know, Nike, just do it. And Coca-Cola, you know, running halftime ads at the Super Bowl or billboards on the 405 South. Our world just does not live like that. So you're right. As a business owner, a marketer, an advisor, um, you really have to be able to stand out. And we know, you know, you know, uh, marketing is digital, but relationships are human. So how can you get that? Um, and I stole that from a good friend of mine, by the way. I'm not always the originator of great. That was really good, dude. I love that. Yes. Uh, I'll give credit to Shannon Rostick over at wealthmanager.com. I got that from her. And that's right. Absolutely true. So as an advisor, you're a professional. You're creating content, whether you know it or not, all day long. Just a conversation with your client, helping them navigate between a Roth IRA or a regular IRA. And guess what? You just wrote a fantastic blog piece in that two-minute conversation you had. Um, and that can live on the web. People search on that. I want to convert my IRA. What should I do? And that's where you're going to see the expertise. So while it may be intimidating and like, I don't want to write content, I'm not an author, uh, you know, our good friend, Mr. Chat GPT, he can help you out, right? You just give him that prompt and uh, I'll pop something that you can tailor and customize. So the tools are getting there. But I think Carl is right. You know, it, you do have to have content and be able to definitely be able to, um, you know, demonstrate your value, demonstrate your expertise. And there's no better way to do that than say, hey, I had a client. Here's what the options were. Here's what we did. And it worked out great. Pros and cons. Let me help you with something like that. I can't think of a more powerful marketing, you know, testimonial or example that advisors can use. And again, all they have to do is just look what the last phone conversation they had with a client and that's their next blog post. Do you think that there's anything that's going to be a content trend? Do you, what, what do you see is killing it better than anything right now? Is there any one media that you're like, yep. Okay. That's it. Um, I don't know if it's any one media, but I think the approach is the more focused you are, the narrow the topic and you know, people don't want to get too narrow. But, you know, some of the highest performing campaigns we've seen are when the content or the webcast or the the, the podcast, the tweet, whatever the piece of um, medium was, was so tailored and focused to a niche within a niche within a niche. That person who has that need, all of a sudden, bingo, I will read that. I will log on. I will listen to that because that's exactly me. So the more personalized you can be in that space, the better it is. I, I mean, obviously, people have their preferences for various things. Uh, I mean, we're seeing knuckleheads on TikTok give financial advice, which, you know, um, hopefully the regulators are looking at that stuff because most of it's garbage. People are on TikTok, you know, people are on Facebook, people are on Twitter, people are on Instagram. They're looking at these channels. Um, so you definitely, you know, the good news is if you create some content and it's digital, you can place it on all of those. But, you know, I think once you get a niche and you get a specialization, um, then you've got your own script right there to really drive your business forward. I love how you just said that. And I can't wait for my marketing team to get their hands on that because it isn't about the media. It's about the message. And that is so vital when it comes to this. I was just on a phone call uh, yesterday with a, with an advisor 
And we were talking about his niche and, and he was like, Matt, I've got one for you and you're going to like this. I was like, okay, you've been listening to the podcast. All right, let's go. And he said, I am specifically working with generation X first generation entrepreneurs who have over a $10 million basically worth of their company who want to retire in 10 years and who are in the greater Seattle area. And I was like, all right, dude, now that's a niche and a niche and a niche and a niche. Right. Uh, and the crazy thing is, Nobody's marketing to Generation X. We are, once again, the forgotten generation. And many of them have a substantial amount of assets. And he speaks their language. He understands their needs. And he's Gen X himself. So again, just absolutely fantastic. I love that. A niche within a niche within a niche. All right. You brought up GPT. We haven't really talked a lot about it on the show. I've actually been experimenting with it personally because as a professional interviewer, I wanted to see how the prompts really truly worked and how specific I could get in the questions basically that I was asking GPT to create. And, and, and Tim, honestly, I was freaking blown away, not just by the turnaround, but by the level of specificity that I could give. What do you think about what, what's going on there? Yeah, totally agree. And again, this is, you know, round one, you know, I think the brilliance of open AI <laughs> is that they say, you know what, we've got this thing, you know, here, here, Take it and just the, unleashed it, um, and it got like the fastest two hundred million users than any other thing beyond Facebook or any of those, um, or even Pokemon Go. You know, out, outpaced those to get to hundred million users, and that feedback they're getting in real time is just remarkable. You know, and absolutely, it was um, very eye opening to see what it can do, what it can do, and again, just like the robo advisor didn't take out the advisor or WebMD, the doctors or TurboTax. This is not going to replace the humans. You know, we know that people are funny about their money. They want to talk to somebody or when the cost of being, they're going to go to a professional. Uh, this will just elevate advisors and give you so much more capacity and time. So if you don't know the the um, tax citation for converting a Roth IRA for a Canadian citizen, you can type that in there and get a pretty darn good answer. That's, you know, maybe not 100% correct, but better than you spending four hours researching it. Uh, that's just going to elevate your business and, your expertise beyond um, anything. And again, this is just round one. It's only going to get better, uh, which, you know, actually kind of brings up some interesting discussion. Yeah. So these are the things that we worry about in the middle of the night, but ultimately, you know, this is round one, it's just getting started and uh, you know, we will evolve, you know, technology has been with us forever. We'll figure it out, you know, and the human race will survive. So I'm not worried about that. <laughs> the human race will survive. Well, I think it's funny. I was just talking to another uh, advisor recently and he was freaking out about chat GPT. And I was like, you know, I don't know if you remember this dude, but like, you know, I don't know, five, 10 years ago, everybody's freaking out about robo advisors. Did that impact your business? He's like, no, it's actually been great for my business. Yeah, it has because you, it's the human component of it, brother. And I absolutely love that you said that. All right. Something that is consistently happening in financial services that, and again, I'm, I'm going to go to your other tentacles. So we're, we'll leave the marketing. We're going to leave, you know, basically some of the systems and some of the, you know, tech stuff and digital stuff that you already talked about on the show. And I want to switch gears because there is huge amounts of private equity and private equity and venture capital coming into financial services. What do you see is going to be happening with, and again, you're in the time machine. What do you think 10 years looks like? Because a lot of things are being acquired and there's a lot of money being thrown into financial services. Yeah. I mean, I think it's also the nature of the beast because, you know, private equity likes cash flow heavy recurring revenue businesses. And that's the ultimate definition of advisory firms and what they do. Um, yeah. There are some ties. 
Wall Street firms again, and it's all about product. It's all about making money and not about you know the client's service. Uh, so that's uh, you know, somewhat of a, I think, overblown fear because what it really does is it just takes takes the risk away from the entrepreneur. Uh, most advisory firms are driving down the road, one foot on the gas, one foot on the brake, and the whole thing is just shimmering because it's um, you know uh, the advisors self-funding this. So if you bring in outside investors, it actually frees them up. They're not you know putting all of their um, marbles on the table. They can actually then take more risk, uh, have much more flexibility to grow the business instead of trying to you know maintain it and manage it. Um, I think overall it's, it's a great thing. Absolutely, yes, consolidation is going to happen whether we like it or not. You know, Connors of scale is just an undefeatable <laughs> team. They've never lost. They've won every World Series, every Super Bowl. Uh, it's just going to happen that way. And therefore, you know, just anticipate and expect it. And again, uh, but as, you know, the technology gets better, um, the scale gets more important, uh, the capacity increases. So I think it's going to be able to leverage advisors to be able to do more because they have more time um, and be able to lower their minimums. Uh, so that it's a good thing. Uh, but uh, definitely consolidation is going to happen. The demographics just say it has to. Uh, but at the same time, it's going to open up opportunities for newer entrants to come in and disrupt it and, and try different models. So it's overall, it's it's a wonderful thing to invest into the independent space. Well, let me let me ask you a follow up to that. And I wasn't planning on asking you this, but you opened up a wonderful can of worms there. And, and is control. Right. So a lot of advisors are absolutely terrified that they're going to lose control. Now, we we can rewind all the way to the tech integrations. We can talk about the Finfluencers who are on TikTok who are speaking to your clients, whether you like it or not, you know, to the way that you market and how you're messaging. All of that has to do with control. How do you talk to advisors who are generally control heavy? and get them to understand that by doing things like potentially taking private equity or venture capital or opening up their minds a little bit more, how do you help shake advisors and make them have that realization? It's really comes down to a very simple question. You know, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> you know, if you want to stay who you are, you know, stay small, keep it all. That's perfectly fine. If that's your definition of success. Then absolutely. You would say no to doing that. But if you also say, wow, I can actually impact a thousand lives now, but if I grow this capacity, efficiency, bring in more partners and friends, I can impact 10,000 lives. Uh, that's going to raise all boats. Society will be better off. I mean, you can easily attach it to a higher calling of what we're doing in this profession. So it's going to be a very personal decision. Some are going to say, yeah, I see that. I'm a visionary. You know, let's hit the gas. Let's go. Others are just like, I've just grown up in this business. I want it this way. And that's fine. That's the beauty of it. You can do it however you want. Uh, but I think ultimately it's, it's really appealing to that uh, visionary in you. All right. My favorite question for you, Tim, what question should I have asked you that I didn't? How about this? Um, you know, Matt, the one question you asked me is, you know, why did I leave the corporate setting and start up a independent consulting firm? Ooh, I love that. Okay. Take that question. Go ahead. <laughs> well, well, as I mentioned early on in the, in the intro, you know, I was never going to be the SVP of anything in a corporate setting. But also, I think just the, the the internal nature of, you know, what I like to build and accomplish things, you know, the traditional corporate setting, you know, being employee number 68,212 at a big Wall Street firm, you know, just is not conducive to that. You know, you want to be able to spread your wings and find partners that are out there, discover new ways and find the innovators and bring them together and join them in whatever it is that you're doing. That to me is is so energizing and so exciting 
is to bring that all together. And I think the only way you can do that is if you're a free agent. You know, I think those athletes back in the 70s who said, you know what, I don't want to be drafted and have to play for one team. You know, I have great skills. I can play for any team. But, you know, you're not letting me do that. So I'm going to sue for a free agency. And of course, that opened the can of worms. And all of a sudden, sport became massively popular beyond just the team loyalties. Uh, they're necessary. You sort of need that, that sort of, you know, box to play in. But at the same time, it really has been you know transformational you know, just personally and professionally to be able to do this and just having the confidence to know that you can do it. You know, there's no, everyone wants you to succeed. That's one thing I did find along the way is that your friends want you to succeed and they will help you. And that, uh, I think once people realize that, then it's not so scary, but, but it is scary. I mean, you're out on your own, you're taking a big risk. Uh, but I think that that to me is kind of uh, what I've learned and gleaned over the past 17 years in doing this. Two things on that. Number one, um, I, I too wish you the greatest success in the world. I, I hope that you achieve whatever you want to be when you grow up. And I also think that you've done an amazing job in your career of finding those other open-minded free agents that are truly exceptional uh, within financial services and you've been able to build relationships with them. Some of them you've actually helped. Some of them you've mentored. Uh, and so I, from for all of us in financial services, Tim, I want to thank you for all of the work that you've done uh, because it's been really, really impactful to our industry. And I'm sure that there's a bunch of people who want to find out a little bit more about you, who you are, what you do, and who you can help. Where should people go to find out a little bit more about Tim? Uh, well, we've got a nice website up there on the um, intertubes. It's www.nexus-strategy.com. Yeah, a lot of my articles and contents up there, uh, kind of a description of what we do. Um, also, uh, fairly active on um, Twitter, at Nexus Strategies, the handle there, so you can find that. Or, you know, just come to any conference that you can think of. Pretty sure I'll be there as well. So definitely love hanging out at the industry events. Um, again, that's kind of where, you know, a lot of the clients that we work with are in those exhibit halls or they're the, the, the content producers and developers who are making it happen. Uh, you can typically find me there. And that's where I always see you, my friend. And I can't wait to see you at the next <laughs> conference. So Tim, I really appreciate all of your thought leadership and everything that you've done in financial services. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, my pleasure, Matt. What a fantastic program you've got. And I always listen to it all the time. Thanks, brother. All right, everybody. If you want to figure out how you can hone your message, like Tim said, a niche within a niche within a niche, you can join the Pod Rocket Academy for free please go ahead and go to proudmouth.com and find out how you too can accelerate your influence. So for Tim and all of us here at Proudmouth, this is Matt Halloran, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thanks for listening to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. If you want to know more about how you can be your own loud, visit us at proudmouth.com and sign up for the Pod Rocket Academy. Through courses and office hours led by professional podcast producers and digital marketers, you will learn everything you need to know to become the trusted subject matter expert you were meant to be.